Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I'm with Andrew in the office. We're going to hear an an interview with Pastor Don Wilton. And uh, Andrew, how you doing and what's Don Wilton's claim to fame? How I'm doing? I'm doing excellent. Uh, just got back from Florida and so uh, getting caught back up with, uh, with everything. Did I, I was working a little bit while I was gone though, so not uh, not totally behind the eight ball right now, so that's good. And uh, Don Wilton uh, is, is one of these people that is... Um, you know, you probably haven't heard of him. Uh, I would guess 99% of our audience or more has not heard of him. Uh, but you probably heard of the guy that he uh, was the pastor of. Uh, that's uh, some preacher called Billy Graham. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him or not. Um, so, you know, it's um, when you think about it, just like, does, does Billy Graham need a pastor? Uh <laughs> But he was a humble enough guy to know that he did. And, you know, wow. Uh, <laughs> Billy Graham was the pastor to a half dozen presidents. Uh, yeah. And this guy is the pastor to, this guy is the guy that, that Billy Graham went to and uh, and made that connection with. So, uh, yeah, really, really fascinating. He has some great stories, yeah. Don does. What, what's even more cool to me is how humble he is about how he got in the position that he got. He tells a little bit of that story in this interview. We were able to sit down with him at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. He was one of the preachers at the 2023 Cedar Falls Bible Conference, our 102nd. And he just got such an approachable demeanor. He is South African. He's white. Mm -hmm. And so... I was always tempted to introduce him as an African-American and just see what people's reactions were, <laughs> but we never did that. Probably good. I guess I'm doing it on the air here, but it was kind of a joke that we had. Yeah. Uh, and Don was just very um, personable. The stories he has of Billy Graham are cool. And really, the um, you know, one of the questions I asked him is, is it, is it like offensive to you that people know you as Billy Graham's pastor and don't know you as you? Kind of like what you alluded to at yeah, the beginning. Right. Um, and, uh, man, no, he's just humble servant of the Lord. Yeah. And that's going to come through in this interview. He wrote a book called Saturdays with Billy, because that's what he would do on Saturdays. He would drive up from Spartanburg, South Carolina, where he's a pastor at a Baptist church, mm -hmm. to Montreat, which is where Billy and Ruth lived in uh, North Carolina. And uh, the conversations he had and the experiences he had, and obviously there's a lot of it he'll take to his grave, which yeah. um, sure. is very personal and private. But he, but this book Saturdays with Billy and some of the anecdotes that he shared with us in this interview are um, just cool to hear and kind of nostalgic. I mean, Billy Graham is Billy Graham. I mean, yeah. he's like America's pastor for a right. while. Right, and it's what I love too is that it wasn't um, wasn't a series of stories just for entertainment purposes. Right, they're very entertaining. I mean, they could you know it's the kind of thing you you would you would enjoy hearing even if you 
probably were atheist, you know, because yeah. they're, because they're cool stories, but, um, they're inspiring. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the things we go for here, you know, and we don't just like to hear, we don't want, we don't do interviews here, uh, that are just, just interesting, just interesting. It's inspiring interviews with interesting yeah. Christians is what we go for. So, yeah. uh, and spiritually inspiring. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what we got. Uh, so that was, I, I appreciated that about it. I would guess, this is a spoiler alert, but we'll probably have Don Wilton back to the Bible conference and back on this podcast. And uh, I wish I could share more details about that, but I can't at this time. But um, Lord willing, our paths will cross again and again. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to the CC Podcast Conversations. Enjoy the interview. Check out all our other content on the radio broadcast and on the Daily Dose Devotions and the other episodes of this podcast where we interview interesting Christians with inspiring stories and have a great day. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. I'm in the green room at the 2023 102nd Cedar Falls Bible Conference. I'm with Reverend Dr. Don Wilton, Pastor Wilton, Don, Donnie. What are we going by today? <laughs> you want to know what my mother called me? Yeah. You see, my my given name is Donald, right? But my mother, I'm known as Don, you know. My congregation called me Dr. Don or Dr. Wilton. People have known me as that Brother Don. I mean, I go about anything. But my mother, when it got to Donald, it was time to answer and go. And you better get there quickly. Don, Don, Donald, it was time. So here he is. So you've got a tremendous story, and we're going to learn a little bit of it here. By the way, thank you for coming to the Bible conference and, and preaching. Um, we, we're through two of your three sessions, and uh, just powerful biblical gospel preaching. And uh, thanks for answering our call and saying yes. It's, uh, it's an unsurpassed joy to be with you, Matt, and to be here uh, in Cedar Falls and, and to see all these folks, this gathering and what God is doing here is truly amazing. And the spirit of the living God is present. Amen. So if people who are listening didn't know beforehand, now you're probably wondering, so where is this guy from? He doesn't sound like uh, the typical American pastor that we've heard. So Don, you were born and raised in South Africa. You came over, you said in your previous message, you've been an American United States citizen for over 40 years. So just as, I mean, briefly, but kind of tell us the story of how did Don Wilton come from there to here? <laughs> well, I, uh, it's true. I was born uh, in Zululand, now known as KwaZulu-Natal. Is that a different? No, Zulu is refers to the tribe. Okay. Zulu, it's the Zulu nation. Within Finest, South America. Oh, South, South Africa. Africa. There are 12 or 13 different tribes, Klaza, Venda, Pondo, Susutu, Zulu, and so on and so forth. And there, there are 12 different languages spoken in South Africa. At any rate, I was born in Zululand, which is the Upper East Coast, bordering on Mozambique. So that's where I was born and raised. Went to a boarding school there in the mountains of Zululand. Uh, parents came to know Christ when I was about six years of age. My whole life changed. My dad was a powerful Bible preacher, teacher. Wow. Went to be with Jesus here in the United States uh, eight years ago. And uh, met my wife. I'd been in the service over there, the military, and uh, came out, met my wife. Actually, the first day I was back on Civvy Street, she loved the Lord. 
had a tremendous impact. Uh, had no idea she would be my wife now for 48 years, awesome. which is a pretty long time, you know, um, by the laws of the Medes and the Persians, at least. And uh, <laughs> together, uh, you know, God entered my life. The Lord Jesus changed my heart. Uh, and uh, we gave up everything ostensibly uh, and came to the United States to prepare for the ministry. Went to the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary in New Orleans, Louisiana. Had no idea. Our three now grown wonderful uh, children, which I'll talk about, uh, born there. Seven of our eight grandchildren were born there. Uh, one of them was born in Malaysia because my middle son, Dr. Greg Wilton, who, by the way, is dean of Level College at New Orleans Seminary, a great preacher, teacher of the word. He was with the International Mission Board in Malaysia at the time. That's why their youngest was born over there. And uh, had no idea uh, that uh, I pastored churches in Mississippi and Louisiana. Then I was invited to join the faculty at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, served there several years, preaching all over the world. Um, loved the campus, loved the school, loved what God's doing on our campuses, seminary campuses around the country, Bible colleges. And uh, in 1993, First Baptist Spartanburg extended an invitation uh, for us to come there. We accepted. Again, that's a long story. And uh, had no idea what God had in store for us then. And I've just stepped down after 30 years uh, as the senior pastor at First Baptist Spartanburg. So now here I am preaching all over the world again. So the way I was introduced to you was our bookstore lady, Joyce Barbati, was at a Christian Products Expo that you spoke at a year or two ago. And she texted me and said, hey, we got to get this Don Wilton guy to the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. He'd fit like hand in glove here. And, and that's obviously true. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I didn't know who you were before mm. she recommended it. And uh, I've got a two-pronged question, and this will give you a, quite a while to kind of expound on. But number one, kind of your claim to fame, if you could say it that way, is that you were the personal pastor to Dr. Billy Graham. And the second part of that question is, I've always wondered, and we might have talked about this on the phone when we were setting things up, I feel sheepish bringing that up because it's almost like you don't have merits. It, it, it seems to suggest that Don doesn't have merits on his own right. He, he would be no one if he wasn't connected to Billy Graham. So how does it make you feel for people to say, well, this is Don Wilton, who you may not have heard of, but the guy who he was close to you've heard of, and, and that's why you know he's kind of riding his coattails, could be the... Uh, misinterpretation of all that well let's put the latter on the upper table great about my merit i don't i don't actually have any so you are quite correct Amen. um <laughs> you you really are and i don't i don't say this for any other i am who i am and what i am only by the grace of god man um it it's uh, rather somewhat silly that i would even be here with you at this great conference at cedar falls bible conference uh, standing in that pulpit with all these hundreds of people here and seeing what God's doing. I, I have no credentials, no right. Hmm. Um, and, and I don't, I, I really mean that. So you actually are quite correct. Um, and God, God, yeah, God called me 
to to a ministry where nothing that that I possibly might could do amounts to very much. Um, it's only God, it's only the Lord, and it's only the privilege. I pastored one of the greatest churches in Southern Baptist churches for 30 years. I mean, I didn't have any right to do that. Mm. And uh, they've called a wonderful young man now, and uh, it's God's church. Um, I've, I've never had any ownership or... It's just like a partnership and God just uses us. So that's the first part of that. Before we get to the Billy Graham part, yeah, um, I want you to say more about that. And you alluded to it in your message just here, that preaching opportunity you had in Mozambique. Yeah. And there was a time, and I think this is true of everyone in their younger years, you, you don't maybe you didn't believe what you just said to the degree that you believe it now. Yeah. I, I know there was a time in my life when I kind of felt like, and I suppose all of us, struggle with this all the way till glory this time in in a moment or in a period of my life where i think you know i've got something to offer i I mean matt reister's a good guy um he can communicate well uh he's he's lived a pretty moral life um he's the kind of guy you'd want your daughter to bring home you know in high school or college he's the kind of guy that you'd want to have your kids look up to you know we kind of have this kind of prideful view of ourselves you alluded to that and what you just said before all that is totally contrary to that so how has the lord you know gotten you to the point and what i'm asking this question for is any of our listeners who we also and myself need to continue to get to the Mm -hmm. point where we really do see ourselves as having no merit of our own well you know matt it's so true i i think the biggest battle i've had in life and ministry centers around me hmm and, and uh, you know, when we get to the point under the grace of God and by His Spirit where me becomes reduced uh, in size and importance and pride leaves us and we seek to ask God to give us a true spirit of humility in mm. His presence, the greater, ironically, it's a spiritual irony that the least become the greatest. Mm-hmm. And I saw that mm-hmm. so clearly in the life of Dr. Billy Graham. Uh, I've had some um, incredible mentors, and I could spend the rest of our time talking about Dr. Graham because I sat at the feet of this, in, this uh, incredible servant of the Lord for 25 years. I sat at his feet. And God has taught me over the years uh, and I'm still learning, Matt, uh, I, I really am, because I keep getting in the way of the Lord, mm. uh, that that I'm just an instrument, mm-hmm. and that glory only belongs to Him. Amen. Um, you know, Mr. Graham had just finished preaching one of the great English crusades, and George Beverly Shea and Cliff Barrows were there, and the, the big team, the big three, and they were in a room, and quite frankly, God had done a great work. Thousands of people responded to the gospel. And uh, Cliff Barrows, who became a really good friend to me, as did Bev Shea, um, noticed Mr. Graham just sitting in a chair, not saying much. And he turned over. He called him Bill, by the way, because his wife was Billy. His wife was Billy, and he called Mr. Graham Bill. So I'm quoting Cliff Barrows now, not yep. me. Yep. Um, he said, he said, Bill, what's the matter? To which Mr. Graham looked at cliff barrows and george beverly shea and said only god gets the glory boys only god gets the glory that's uh, a sub th- it's in your book i just recently it read it 
It uh, is. And, and you know, it's, it's coming back to, I think that's a, it's, a, it's a human struggle, don't you think, Matt? Yes. That we all have. It sounds almost braggadocious to say that, that you're that you having it. Mm. Like, look at me. I'm working on my humility. Yeah, you know, right. it's, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect <laughs> in every way. Yeah. And go and ask my wife, and she'll tell you how perfect I really am. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is a spiritual thing, and it's a, it's a spiritual discipline mm. that God blesses us with as we grow in the grace and knowledge and admonition of the Lord. It's not a moment in time. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual discipline, and it's part of our spiritual life. So, yes, um, I'm, I'm here today. Uh, uh, you know, I stepped uh, aside from an incredible ministry, and uh, we arrived in America with two suitcases in our hands and $1,400. Carol and I looked at each other and said, we got a lot more than $1,400 than we did, you know, 46 years ago, but... Uh, Lord, we're just standing here with two suitcases. Wow. And wherever you want us and whatever you want us to do, we're going to go and we're going to serve you and look look at the way God uh, works and he does that. And I feel very blessed. So for people who are interested in hearing these messages that uh, Pastor Wilton's been preaching, you can go to the Cedar Falls Bible Conference YouTube page and um I'm going to allude to a couple of things that were in those messages that the audience of this podcast won't be totally familiar with if you haven't heard the messages. So just to get caught up, if you want to, that's where you got to go. Um, I was kind of trying to think of the timeline. You told that awesome story about sitting in the queen's chair and that was 1991. Yes. Right. Ish. Yes. Yes. And, and you became then Billy Graham's personal pastor Correct. in 1993. Now, obviously um, if you know that story, um, if, if our listeners know that story, they would know that you obviously had some proximity to Dr. Graham and his people in 91. But how does the dude that shows up in America with two suitcases and 1400 bucks end up being Billy Graham's personal pastor? Only by the grace of God and for the rest of my life, I, I will never fully understand, Matt, with the deepest gratitude that God uh, would have been so kind to have allowed me uh, to to uh, sit at, at Mr. Graham's feet, and to be so deeply blessed by a man of God like this, but it 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 happened. And uh, in 1991, I can't remember. It was 91. I think it was 91. Maybe it might have been 92. But uh, uh, in Scotland, um, right? I'd only had a very cursory relationship with Mr. Graham. I'd served on the Billy Graham Schools of Evangelism in the 80s. But to Mr. Graham personally, no. Um, and, and so that, that marked a, a starting point. But ostensibly, it was my very first Sunday in Spartanburg. And uh, we were on television. And uh, when at the end of the message, my first Sunday in 19, my phone rang. And the voice on the other side said, this is Billy. Now, I'm not going to tell you how I responded because it was like, what up, Billy? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then a voice in me, something in me said, you know, this sounds awfully like Dr. Billy Graham. Well, it was he and Miss Ruth. And they, they were just calling to welcome me to the pulpit. And they had sat and watched and worshiped with us on television. Wow. And Mr. Graham, now this is later. 
some years later, Mr. Graham told me that he had listened to quite a lot of my teaching and preaching on video and stuff from the schools of evangelism and other things. Got it. Okay, I'm just but throwing, you I'm you just throwing that. that. No, no, I didn't know that. And he said at the end of a long conversation, he said, I'm just wondering whether you could possibly come up and visit me and Miss Ruth tomorrow. <laughs> Now, I, I got a lot going on. I'm not sure. I uh, can it's make amazing it. how I was able to adjust my calendar. <laughs> and and the next day I got a call and drove up to the office there in Montreat and got into a motor car black limo with antennas on, was driven up past George Beverly Shea's home and through all these security gates. You said it was about an hour from where you yes, were. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hour and ten, hour and fifteen, depending on the traffic. And of course, my I didn't even have to drive. My car knew where to go after all those years. <laughs> any rate, and uh, and uh, what a what a time! I mean, they treated me like royalty. That I mean, it was just humbling. Did you get the impression now, knowing what you know now, you might not be able to remember what it was like then? But did you get the impression that this is how they treated pastors coming to higher no. profile churches in the area or something? Or what? no, no, this is how they treated everyone. So other I, I, I came to understand, not, now not, I'm not talking about inviting them to the house, but I came to understand very quickly that Dr. and Mrs. Billy Graham treated everybody the same with untold humility, respect, and love. Mm-hmm. They did that. It would have been the person coming to clean their gutters. Do you think they were calling other pastors welcoming to the area? or? Oh, I, I have no doubt. Wow. I, Mr. Graham made it. He loved the local New Testament church. Mm-hmm. And that explains why he eventually joined my church. Mm. And I'll, I'll mention that briefly to yeah. our listeners. But, you know, I, a friendship, a, a friendship, I, I can't, how do you describe that? It was like instant. Mm-hmm. When I left the home that day, he said, please come back and then called me and asked me to come back. Wow. He followed up. And, and, and then he did again. And then he did again. Well, for the first eight, nine, ten years, Matt, um, I never told anybody I was visiting Dr. Graham. Wow. I, I didn't share that. Karen yeah. knew, but yeah. I never shared that. I didn't, I'd, I just, something in me said, this is not something that sounds like you're bragging, you know? Yeah. And I'd, I just never, it never entered my mind. So not even my people at our church knew that. I didn't tell anybody. That's I just cool. went up, visited him every week. And, uh, and then one day he called me. And I went up there with my oldest son, Rob, who's an incredible preacher of the Word of God in Pittsburgh and all over the country now, and uh, went up there, and he had everybody there, and it was at that day that Mr. Graham announced to his executive team, he said, Dr. Wilton doesn't know anything that I'm about to ask him now. We've never had the first conversation about this subject. Wow. He was a man of such integrity. He had been a member of First Baptist Dallas for 50 years, but he never went there. I mean, that's in another state. Yep. He never, never was there. And, uh, and uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, I, I wonder whether you'd allow me to become a member of First Baptist Spartanburg. Now, can you imagine that? <laughs> I drove back that day. It was a Saturday. You should have seen our people when I announced you know, would you consider Dr. They, Billy Graham? Because they really have no idea you've been even meeting No, with they him. just stood and, and just cheered. I mean, they were, it was, it was, under thousands of people were on their feet just praising God. Well, that day I got in my motor car. I, I ran back up to Montreal to have lunch with him on Sunday. And when I walked in the door, I yelled out, I'm here. 
and and walked in. He was at the table waiting for me to arrive. And I said, I said, would you like the good news or the bad news? He said, give me the good news. <laughs> and I said, well, the good news, Mr. Graham, is that you are now officially a member of my church, of First Baptist Church, Spartanburg, South Carolina. He said, wonderful. What's the bad news? I said, you made it by 49 to 51%. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I said, just like the Senate, the vice president has a casting vote, said the pastor has, I said, but I managed to swing it. You just in by the skin of your teeth. Well, he loved that. Yeah. That, you know, that'll give our listeners a, you know, I write a lot about that in Saturdays with Billy, but, you know, he, he we had such fun together. And I'd make him laugh his head off, man. Mm-hmm. And he, he needed that. And the fellowship that we had and the, the stuff we did and the conversations mm-hmm. and the golf and the putting down the passageway and the talks and, and, and you know, all the stuff that we did was just, it was just, you know, God just forged a, just a precious friendship. And I just became his confidant. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, when, when, when the publishers asked me to write Saturdays with Billy, I was very reluctant. I didn't do it for the first two years. You're saying Saturdays with Billy. You yes. kind of go over that quickly. I want to make sure our listeners, Saturdays with Billy. Saturdays with Billy. Book by Don Wilton that you can buy. Yes, Ryan, the foreword's written by Dr. Charles Stanley, who is also a very dear friend of mine and very dear friend of Mr. Graham. And um, I wrote this book. Uh, I, I did it initially because I didn't want to betray any confidences. actually went up and talked to Franklin about it. And uh, I write about that in the foreword, yeah. I think. And uh, this is not a, um, a biographical. You can Google Mr. Graham, and there are wonderful books written about Mr. Graham, hundreds of them. But this book is about friendship. It's about stuff. It's about life. It's about it's about him, his mm-hmm. face, and food, and a few funny things that happened. And mm-hmm. it's a life story leading all the way up to when he graduated into heaven, when the angels of God came and picked him up. The chapter people talk about most of all is Billy's Friday. Mm-hmm. Was the last day I sat with Mr. Graham and and. It was the most incredible, phenomenal, God, Holy Spirit-filled moment of my entire life. Wow. And it's in the book. Awesome. And what happened that day. So um, one thing in talking before we hit record that is clear, and I've read some of your book, is you really viewed your role as protecting Dr. Graham as well as befriending him. I mean, there's all kinds of people who would love to get the, 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 the inside scoop on Billy Graham and what, you know, you know, and, and you kind of gave me some stories about how you did that. Um, and I'm not asking you to say anything, obviously, that, that would push the limits on what you want to do with that. But going back to the beginning, have you thought about what do you think it was? I mean, because I've been around some different people and situations where, you know, you got some high profile people and and they just get inundated and everyone wants a piece of them and everyone you know a lot of people are trying to jockey their way into their inner circle and all this stuff and so what do you think it was about your interaction with dr graham that like you passed through the filter do you know what i'm asking Mm -hmm. we were just talking about sometimes after a service how people can come up to you and just kind of monopolize your time and it just kind of Mm. It, it wears you out. And 
Billy Graham doesn't want somebody like that being around. It, I, I, you know, Matt, I, I'm, I'm going to just put this all on to the Lord Jesus, but I, I, I in a very deep spiritual way uh, over the years, I, I came to understand that God appointed me to this. Hmm. And this man had a special touch from the Lord Jesus. And I came to understand that I had a, a personal role to, to not play in that sense, but a personal role to accept in the purpose of God. And it, it was a role of trust. And uh, so I, uh, the word confident is, is actually very important. And I will never divulge uh, the the many hundreds of things that I mean I could write three books right um, and I, I I came to I accepted the ministry charge and and I would say to our listeners you know it's like motherhood may I use may I use that as an illustration I think motherhood is a ministry charge hmm. to precious young mothers. And and God uh, God gives to a mother uh, a, a little baby, and there's nothing that can take the place of a mother. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not talking about us dads yet and granddads. Okay, yep. we we are obviously very incredible. Yep. But the the mother relationship is a call. It's an appointment. Mm. And and I've met so many God gifted. My wife was like that. Mine too. She, she, and yours is the same way that have a spirit given, a Holy Spirit call, purpose driven call, mm-hmm. raising those sons and daughters. Well, in a in a similar way, as a pastor, you accept that as a missionary, as a Christian businessman, it's called stewardship. You get entrusted by God. Mm-hmm. I we know some wonderful men and women that God has blessed financially. I'm mm-hmm. picking on finances. Yep. And God's blessed them for a purpose to steward that money. He continues to bless them, but they they give away yeah. and they build and they you got some incredible givers that are helping to build this amazing ministry here. Yeah. And God's just blessing them more. The more they give, the more God blesses yeah. them. All right? Okay. Now think about that. So if we were to reduce that pastoral ministry the parent role business role well let's talk about don wilton and mr graham yeah i in reflection today even more so believe that god ordained Mm -hmm. god determined that this little man from zululand would by some unknown means accepting what is there that stands outside of the sovereign hand of god matt what is there that God cannot do? Right. Excuse me. Yep. Nothing. Is there anything that's too impossible with God? No. Is there anything? Is it? I mean, is this kind of like stretching it too far? Well, if we were to talk about this one thing, why me? Mr. Graham knew thousands of gifted, wonderful men and women all over the world. Why did I lead his funeral service? Mm-hmm. That is just stupid. Mm-hmm. I wasn't archbishop of anything. I didn't have the 
big titles and the well-known and people didn't fall on their face every time I walked in the room. This is just stupid. I mean, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. Okay, not to elevate Don Wilton, Mm -hmm. but to say God, God did this. Amen. And, you know, Mr. Graham emphasized that. There was one time where uh, we had someone come to the home who was somewhat pompous and and just seemed to be having a little bit of a difficult time uh, getting over how important they were. And I'm saying this very lovingly. And and at the end of the day, uh, this man actually looked at Mr. Graham and said to him, Mr. Graham, who is this? And how, how did this... He didn't want to say my name. Speaking of you. Yeah, speaking of me. How did this... Uh, how, how did you get together with this man? And Mr. Graham, who wasn't doing very well that day, was silent for a while. Then he looked up and he said, God. Can you feel it? Yeah. yeah. God. You know, Karen and I love that. It, it's like, how do you explain this? You know, how do you explain, Matt, how black cow can eat green grass that produces white milk that makes yellow butter. <laughs> God. I can't explain that, but it tastes good. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Okay. We spend far too much time trying to explain God and far too little time actually just giving him all the glory. Amen. And, and in many ways... As I continue and for the rest of my life to thank the Lord for the inordinate privilege that that God gave to me, what I want to do with that is to share that because somebody out there is going to be blessed by that. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Amen. And we, yeah. We've re- been recipients of it right here in, yeah. in two sessions. So... Man, I, I, I'd like this to be a three-hour conversation yeah. or a multi-episode <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But, but um, you know, as we kind of turn to wrap this up, I, you know, and I, this is a human question, okay? And I understand the answer is God, and I understand um, that the answer is kingdom purposes and impact. But what have been two or three, maybe one, of the most... Um, I'm, the word that I don't want to use, it's the only word in my head, perks, but, that have blessed you most of God putting you in this position? Well, um, I, I would say, I'd say number one is what I call honor, mm. uh, the honor of serving my Savior. So if we're going to use the word perk, and I understand that, yeah. Um, I wish I'd known when I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus what an, an honor ah. this is. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, Matt, you can have a, a lot of money and you can have uh, all the things. And no, there's nothing wrong with, you know, fame and fortune. But at the end of the day, mm. to, to die with honor. Mm-hmm. In relation to our Heavenly Father, I'm talking about. Amen. But that does translate into people. Mm-hmm. So uh, this uh, we're in an interesting subject here. 
it's just an interesting subject. The greatest perk of, of having surrendered my life to Jesus is the privilege of having the honor of serving him. But accompanying that is the unwarranted, undeserved honor with which some people honor me mm. for serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right. Why, why are you bothering with me, Matt? Why, why are you? I'm not asking you. What, why would you bother? Why, why do you? I mean, wh- wh- who am I? What do mm. you? Why, why are you treating me so nicely and lovingly? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you being so kind to me? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, I'm, I'm, do you understand what I'm saying yes. here? Now we, we've got a human. Yep. I mean, I just love you instantly. And, and, but it's a reciprocal thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about perks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, okay. Let me use a good illustration. Marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you fall in love with your wife and you marry her. That doesn't mean to say that you really love her the way you ought to as a Christian husband. Right. And sometimes, some men. I'm going to pick on the men because I am one. Okay. Some of the men take ten years before they get what it means to really love their wives. And then they say, gosh, I wish I had loved her like this Mm -hmm. from the day I met her. Now, why are you saying that? Because I'm telling you, the more you love your wife, what you get back is better. Is better. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. The more you love her, it's more than the more she loves you. It's It's like she's... She's going to give it back to you until you're not going to be able to stand yourself. Right. Yep. That's a great illustration. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you know you look back and you say, oh gosh, I wish I had, I wish I hadn't been such an idiot when I first got married. All right. We were married. We were in love. You know, I hear men all the time. Man, I wish I wasn't so busy all my life. I wish I'd slowed down. I wish I'd spent more time. Man, you got kids, you know, don't get so busy doing everything else. Then suddenly they're going to grow up and Amen. they're gone. Amen. And then you turn around and say, gosh, man, I wish I'd spend a little more time. Mm. Go fish with them, man. Go and smell the roses. Get stupid. Get down on the carpet with them. Play with them. Enjoy them. And when they ran, I had a, I, listen to me like I'm the king here. I, I had a policy because I'm I've got all these thousands of people and my policy was one of my kids walked up you could have put the Queen of England in front of me if my kids walked up I stopped they got all my attention mm. mm-hmm. and when they were little I got down with them mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like I'm perfect right I wish I'd done it perfectly every time mm-hmm. don't don't misunderstand me uh, yet. Yep. the average dad today say, says, just wait, son. Can't you see I'm busy? Right. Or you talking to son. Well, son, don't interrupt me. No, 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 no. My kids could interrupt me at any time. Mm-hmm. And here's the irony. There are not a lot of people in this world who are going to get mad with you because you talk to your own kids. Right. That's the irony. Mm-hmm. So we got all these dads deferring everything to all these dipsticks talking to them. Okay. Meanwhile, if they said, excuse me a minute, this is my son, 
and you want to talk about, well, he needs this, or he wants to go there, or what kind of pizza are we getting? Mm -hmm. That man talking to you actually is going to love that. Learn something from it. And by the way, if he doesn't, read my lips. Because who's more important, mm -hmm. your son or this other man that you're talking to? Amen. So let's take that and translate that into the fabric, this whole question of honor yeah. and how we live our lives. Have I got a corner on that market? Mm. Mm. No, sir. Mm -hmm. um, he's still working on me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things I find very interesting is... Mm. And even as an interviewer, it, you know, looking into your story from the outside, there's something in me that wants to hear Billy Graham's stories and talk to me about that special position you had. And every time I go there, you respond with something about how that reflected God, how that, re how, how that, how that, um, was an illustration or an indicator or a or a, a, a pointer to what the Lord is doing with all of us. Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Let me give you an illustration. Yeah. So in the latter part of Mr. Graham's life, they decided because he couldn't be up in the pulpit that he would do a special series called My Hope America. I remember it. I write about it in Saturdays with Billy. I mean, in a lot of detail. And Franklin, who's a wonderful brother and friend, came to me and he said, Don, you're the only man that can help Daddy. I said, Franklin, I'll do anything. Well, we worked, I can't remember, 12 months, 14 months, surrounded by television cameras, and Mr. Graham was in his senior years, and, and it wasn't so easy for him to mm -hmm. talk. What people don't, may not know, everything he said, he actually is looking at me. Hmm. Right. So we filmed the whole thing and I was the interviewer or the I didn't even interview but conversation. He, he I was the kind of got him cups of coffee taught this went month after month after month after month. Well you can imagine with a wonderful television crew from Billy Graham organization and so on, they finally got it, got it all together and Mr. Graham was shown the final product, which ended up with millions of people making decisions for Christ. Mm -hmm. You know what Mr. Graham's first comment was? I don't like it. Hmm. Nope, we're not doing that. Why, Mr. Graham? Oh, there's far too much of me in there. Hmm. Just stop and think about that. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't like it because there was too much Billy Graham in it. So once again, me and a couple of others, we had to very spiritually and uh, deliberately talk Mr. Graham into understanding again that God was using him. He yeah. did the same with the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte. Magnificent place. I hope our listeners go down there. It is unbelievable. And the Billy Graham Archive Center today with all of his sermons, I mean, it is just spectacular. You go down there. It is just a fantastic place to visit. Well, when that was all built, uh, Mr. Graham said, nope, I don't, I don't like it. There's far too much Billy Graham in here. <laughs> it's called the Billy Graham Library, <laughs> you know. Now, 
what's the point here? The point that that is being made here to your question is everything for Mr. Graham pointed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. And he saw himself as, as nothing. Mm-hmm. Very low on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell our listeners something really silly. So everybody sit down when I say this. <laughs> Do you know Mr. Graham would always turn to me and say to me, Don, would you help me to understand this passage in the scriptures? <laughs> now, come on, brother. <laughs> I never got over in 20, over 20 years. I never got a, I mean, I wanted to look at him and say, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> and the first couple of times he did that, I was like a babbling idiot. It's like he's playing a game with me. Yeah. What are you t- you asking me to explain? To I'm just telling you, and and I, I gradually came to. He had such a high view of the local church, and he had the highest view of a pastor, a mm. God called pastor. Mm-hmm. I was his pastor, mm-hmm. and and his closest friend. And I mean, how could he possibly know? Anything when I was in the room. Now, I mean, just get a hold of this. Is mm-hmm. this silly or what? But it came from deep down in his soul spirit. Everything with Mr. Graham was backwards. And if you were to look at Don Wilton and Mr. Graham sitting together, which we did a million times, here's mm-hmm. the picture. You ready? Mm-hmm. It's a picture of a nobody who really thought he was a somebody sitting talking with a somebody who really thought he was a nobody. That reminds me of us and the Lord. I mean, God, he knows he's a somebody, but he condescended so that we could approach him. And what a picture. I could talk to you all afternoon. We're going to stay in touch and uh, you'll be back up here. And so we'll do this again. But Don Wilton, thank you for your time. Thanks for being at Cedar Falls Bible Conference. And uh, God bless you. Thank you, man. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.